2: Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast. On a Thursday, we're here at the USC campus talking USC Trojan football. We talk a little pro day, we're going to talk some spring football we got Shotgun Spratling here from USCfootball.com. Follow him on Twitter at shotgun spr. What's up, Shotgun? How you doing, man?
0: Hanging in there. Looking forward to, to the possibility of sun coming out, it looks like. So we might not actually have a rainy practice.
2: Yeah, we had a live show a little bit earlier. You can check that out on USCfootball.com. And now we're going to head out to USC's practice. Yesterday was Pro Day. We're going to talk about that, answer your questions. Sorry we would have a show uh, earlier in the week, but we wanted to get a few practices in after spring break. So we had one, and then we had the Pro Day. We'll talk about all of that. If you have any questions or comments, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can give us a call or a text at 424-254-9141. So we love to hear from you. We love to get your your input on the show. And we always love to talk about anything, the topics that you would like to talk about today. It's going to be a lot of Pro Day. Before we jump into all that, I wanted to thank our sponsor, Lisa Beds. Lisa Beds. You don't know what they are? An innovative, direct-to-consumer online mattress brand. They're also very socially conscious. So I love my Lisa Bed. I got it a few months ago. Set up the whole room around it. It's been great. So it comes in a box, all compressed. You, You pull it out of the box. It opens up. It basically like reconstitutes itself. It's like freeze-dried bed shock. I don't know if the the company wants to be saying it's a freeze-dried bed, but it's pretty cool. Is,
0: is it like the uh, the uh can of chips that you open up and something pops out? Like you just kind of <laughs> open the box and it just <laughs> – Less of out? a
2: snake out of a box kind of thing and more of a just like reinflating itself. But you're wondering like you, you get this bed in a box, it's like – the size of golf clubs or something and then it you know opens up into a whole queen bed so it's pretty cool i love my lisa bed uh, i definitely want to check it out anyone here listening to our podcast we're going to give you 100 off the lisa mattress so what you got to do is go to, to lisa.com slash usc so you're using promo code usc lisa.com slash usc you will get 100 off your Lisa mattress, I love it. You you wouldn't think it's coming out like this. It inflates and it's firm, but it's a firm mattress. Uh, it's great to sleep on, and it takes up less space. You don't need a box spring. So moving box springs, you like to move around. Box springs kind of stink. Uh, you don't need one of those. We put it on a, a platform, and it's a lot of. It, it's pretty cool. So
0: that sounds very convenient when you're moving. If you could somehow put it back in that box.
2: Yes, I asked him about that. They, it doesn't re you know go fold <laughs> back down the same way, but it's pretty cool the way it comes. You're like, wow, this is like a beds really- and
0: couches are always the worst when you're moving. So. You know, maybe if, it, if you're planning to move, it just, all right, it's time for a new new bed. So I'll just grab one that goes in the box <laughs> rather than having to carry the, the mattress and everything. Box brings everything around.
2: All right. So go to lisa.com slash USC. That's lisa.com slash USC. All right. So we got a lot of questions to get to. Uh, we're going to try to do a podcast with Dan Weber at some point, but I don't know if we're going to get to that. So we'll maybe, you know, maybe put it all here together. We're going to go out to practice in a little bit, but we want to try to get to all of your questions. You got a lot of good ones. Let's start off with a voicemail. This one's about Sam Darnold. So he had a pretty good day yesterday, Shotgun. Let's get some thoughts on this one.
1: Hi, Daniel out of Los Angeles. Uh, Quick question or statement, uh, anyone who answers first. Um, Sam Darnold, pro day in the rain. How about striking gold, huh? Uh, No other quarterback in the nation does this. Or, you know, they're usually under... Perfect conditions in the dome or, uh, you know, indoors and, uh, Sam Darnold was able to throw in the rain in front of the entire NFL community. Uh, so your, your thoughts of that? Did he strike goal? Uh, was that a perfect, uh, you know, scenario for him to stay at number one in the draft or move up? Um, you know, very, very rare opportunity and he actually did pretty well. Uh, your thoughts, Dan or Coach Hyde? Thanks. Slide on.
0: So since I'm colorblind, uh, you know, I can't tell tints of things. Gold's similar to orange. I think he might have struck orange more than anything else. (laughs) Maybe brown, I mean, but their uniforms are more orange. The fact that the Cleveland Browns had had brought a full contingent, uh, their owner was sitting in the stands, his parents went and talked to them, uh, their GM was there, their head coach was there, their offensive coordinator was there, and also their offensive coordinator Todd Haley. You know, Clancy Pendergast worked with him at Arizona, so you know they were chumming it up a little bit. So you know uh, that that he was putting in a good word for Sam there. Hugh Jackson obviously has USC connections as well. A lot of things going in Sam Darnold's uh, favor there. And then he actually performed. Yes. So, and he killed it. I mean, I I talked to, I I think I tweeted that I I talked to a couple of USC coaches, a couple of NFL personnel and a couple of national media members. And the consensus was that he killed it out there. He was, he was fantastic. You know, he got the opportunity and, you know, it was divine intervention if you want to call it that or divine with luck the rain that, coming down. that the rain comes down because at pro day at UCLA's pro day Josh Rosen said you know I wished it would have rained you know so i could show that you know that i know there's a, a little bit of a, a a stigma with LA quarterbacks and stereotype that hey once they get in weather you know they can't perform the same Josh Rosen wanted to show that hey he could throw it in any weather Sam Darnold showed that he could uh, so I, I thought he, he went out there and he ripped it, even though he didn't have great, uh, wide receivers with him. You know, he was kind of limited in that, that regard. He was throwing to former quarter, Utah quarterback Travis Wilson, yeah. who's now a tight end. He was throwing to Darian Clark, former USC basketball player, who's now a tight end. Uh, he, he had Steven Mitchell. That was his only true, uh, wide receiver from USC that he had out there. And he was throwing to Ronald Jones and, and James Toll a little bit out of the backfield. But, you know, the fact that he was trying to throw to some of these other guys who are not USC guys that were just kind of brought in to help him out or, Short, short, quick guys, but uh, you know they're not quite anywhere close to NFL caliber guys. So you know the GMs were looking at it like there were a couple throws that Sam overthrew just a, a little bit, and a GM's obviously looking there going, or a scout's going, you know Jarvis Landry, who we just traded for with the Browns, <laughs> is going to catch that. So, uh, so I, I think that he really impressed everyone out there. I think he he went out there and definitely made some money. The Browns were there in full, so you, you, you almost feel like even the draft may have started yesterday. You know that might have been the number one pick being made yesterday by yeah. them coming out and him actually doing so well. So maybe now the draft starts at two, three, four. What will the Giants? What will the Jets do? And what comes back to the, the Browns at number four? Uh, and w- will they even try to trade that pick? Uh, you know because there's a you know teams are going to want to that want a quarterback have to get in for the Broncos. A lot of moving parts there. They could end up with Saquon Barkley at four. I know coming out of the combine there was a lot of talk about oh. Saquon's got to go first. He's he's an absolute beast, and he is. Uh, but I think Darnold, you know, showed that he can be a franchise quarterback and, and play at least in the Cleveland weather. I think he showed uh, and checked off a bunch of check marks for them yesterday. I think he he really did well, and you know he's got a great opportunity to be the number one overall pick.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there, 100. And uh, you mentioned the receiver Stephen Poway wrote in. Uh, he said, right. Well, first he said, Ryan, why were you standing in the middle of the field on Darnold's pro day throwing session? He says, just kidding. The main guy kind of looked like you from the footage I saw. So I don't, was he was he saying Jordan Palmer would look like me? OK, Keeley, sh- Keeley's in the room, too. She's shaking her head. Yes. So apparently I look like Jordan Palmer. That's probably a good thing since he's a big, good looking guy. Well, I'm an old, <laughs> not as good looking guy. But hey, you know, that's cool. Thanks. Thanks for that, Steve. Seriously, who were the main receivers him through to our pro day? It looked like Steven Mitchell was in the mix and looking good, but I couldn't tell who the other guys were. Who was the tall dude who looked like Chad Wheeler with a mullet? Uh, Stephen Power. That's that was-
0: a, that's a pretty apt description there. You know, I, I kind of when I first saw uh, Travis Wilson, uh, the former Utah quarterback who has transitioned into being a tight end, he was with the he was signed by the Rams at at one point last year. He's not on the roster right now, but I, I kind of I was taken back. Just like, wait, that's not Chad Wheeler, is Because Chad Wheeler actually was at practice last week or uh, the first week of USC practice um, and, and stopped by. So I thought maybe he was out there, and I saw him running. I was like, wait, this Chad Wheeler wouldn't be working out. He's uh, you know he's still on the Giants roster. So. So, you know, that was Travis Wilson out there. There's there a couple lookalikes out there apparently. Uh, I guess Jordan Palmer is, is your new, uh, <laughs> the uh, better version of Ryan Aberhane. Yes,
2: you know? much better, I would say. So you're the
0: lesser version of, of Jordan Palmer. <laughs> hey, that's not too bad. You know, NFL quarterback and now uh, kind of a QB coach, QB guru. Uh, he's one of the top guys working with with all these quarterbacks, including Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, the uh, Wyoming quarterback as well. So, uh, you, you know, you, I don't know where the receivers come from. I don't know if Jordan Palmer brings them in. But they just needed some bodies because obviously Deontay Burnett was not able to go with the hamstring injury. I know Tyler Vaughns had said uh, earlier in the week that he would love to be out there, but right. you know the the NCA rules did not allow that the current players participate in the pro day with all the NFL personnel there as well. So uh, he had to make do with what he had, and I thought he did he did fine. And I think that you know maybe that even helps a little bit is that you know if you have a you know a tremendous you know a future first round pick at wide receiver and you overthrow him. Then they know you overthrew him. Right. You overthrow a you know a short white dude, and they're like, <laughs> "Eh, that's probably going to be caught in the NFL." And you know, it's also a little bit different with the timing and everything. So it, it shows that you can kind of uh, adjust um, to who you're having to work with when you're out there.
2: Yeah. Uh. Yeah. It was. It was really interesting to see the guys. It was this misfit. You know, Darian Clark, the former U- U- USC basketball player. I don't know how many passes he's caught in his life, and he's out there at pro day, right? So Darren
0: Clark did play high school football uh, when he was back in Georgia. He actually went to Oak Hill Academy in Virginia for his senior year of basketball and gave up football at that time. Um, He has been out of college for a year. He was at USC two years ago and was a grad transfer to Grand Canyon. I uh, had a pretty successful season there with, with Grand Canyon and then he has been I, I'm not sure I didn't get the chance to talk to him. I was hoping to, but you know, with the rain a lot of the guys, you know, kinda of jetted out of there really quickly. Um, but you know he's, he's a great kid that that you know I've enjoyed talking to when he was at USC playing basketball, but I didn't get a chance to get the whole backstory, but I'm assuming that he, you know, probably tried to play some basketball. He's an undersized forward at six, seven, which is a perfect tight end size. Yes. Uh, he's athletic. He can jump. So, you know, maybe that's kind of, you know, maybe he follows the Antonio Gates mold of, you know, being a college basketball player, turning into a football player and, and being a success. I think he, he's pretty raw out there, but he's a guy that, you know, has, has some athleticism and stuff. So he wasn't that, you know, it's not like it's a huge drop off having a guy like that. It's just that you're having that unfamiliarity with a guy and also he's not really sharp on his route so maybe you're used to a guy that that runs a you know a, a crossing route or something at a certain depth and he gets a little deeper or something you know he doesn't run the same as a as a trained uh, tight end wood that's been in the system for four years or something at college level. So a little bit different of variation there. Um, so Sam was having to kind of mix and match with the guys he had out there. And, you know, Travis Wilson is probably the guy he had the most connection with besides Steven uh, Mitchell because it, Travis Wilson was actually the San Clemente quarterback before Sam Darnold. So I think they've worked out in San Clemente themselves together previously. So I think there's a little bit of connection there, but the other guys that was kind of thrown out there is go get it. And, you know, Sam, Sam did a tremendous job not only throwing in the rain, which he had, I think, six to eight throws early before the rain started coming down, and then it poured. You know, it was a yeah. true downpour here in LA. It wasn't just a sprinkle, and he showed that he could still sling it in those. And but also throwing, he also showed with some of the different rollouts and stuff that that he's capable that he can stay balanced. And, you know, he's not going to fall over. He's not going to, you know, he's not going to slip and stuff in the wet conditions, which is a concern with quarterbacks, especially, you know, you're moving around the pocket. You know, even Tom Brady, he moves a lot in the pocket. Ben Roethlisberger, uh, you have to maintain that balance rather than, you know, putting your your, uh, your torso down and, and, you know, being more susceptible to, to a slip or something. He showed with the rollouts and different things and the pressure that Jordan Palmer kind of um, simulated with him that, that he can, you know, can play in the rain, and he threw the ball really well. He threw the ball with the wind. He threw the ball against the wind. You know, with the wind, I think he, you know, it wasn't a hard, hard breeze, stiff breeze, but you know, I, I think uh, Dan and I had him at, at fifty nine to sixty one yards, were were some of his longest throws when he was kind of airing it out. So that shows he has enough arm strength, obviously in the NFL. Um, so I, I think he he kind of checked off all the boxes. He met with everyone that wanted to meet with him. You know, it was great in the in the post. Pro Day, uh, Media Scrum, and as well, ton of people there. He was basically surrounded, like there yes. ended up being media members behind him asking <laughs> questions and stuff. Uh, so, it, you know, a lot of people were there. It was it was a fun day. It was it was even though it was raining and everything, it was interesting to see USC kind of getting back a little bit of that luster. And all thirty two teams were there. You know, you had several national media members there. You had a bunch of, of uh, you know former USC players and stuff there as well.
2: All right, so that's a lot of Sam Darnold talk, Shotgun. A lot of Sam, obviously, because he, you know, he was the star of the show yesterday. But there was other guys, and we had uh, Jeff write in.
0: Wait, are we sure there were other guys?
2: There were other people there at the Pro Day. I'm going to guarantee you. I don't know if you saw them. <laughs> uh, Jeff said, what, no Pro Day podcast? Realize it's all about Sam. But would like to take, uh, get your take on the other Trojans who came out. And Jeff, you know, we, we totally understand, but the focus was on Sam Darnold. Maybe we can start with uh, Ronald Jones next. We had uh, Ed write in from the Bay Area. Now, he gave us a link to, a, to an SI article, which it's really hard to show that on the podcast, and it's actually a video. But he said that the SI article, the link below, has a video that covers the top five running backs for this draft. Recommend you watch the portion on Ronald Jones. I believe he re- this really shows the effect our departed running back coach had on our backs. Hopefully, hopefully Drevno can keep it up. So I I assuming, you know, the improvement that, that Ronald Jones made from, you know, into this, his third year there, what are your kind of thoughts on that? I mean, running through trash, all that kind of stuff. He seemed to really improve his game there and, and help him be what a lot of people think is going to be the number two back pick, picked in this draft
0: so he was asked yesterday what do you think you improved on you know this this past year and he said you know running between the tackles showing that I can get those what he called the dirty four and dirty five yards oh you know so when you when you go and there's nothing there do you fall forward do you get a couple yards uh can you break one tackle and even if there's you know a big hole or anything can you get that four or five yards that keeps the chains moving throughout a game I think he showed that this year I think he's also got the home run threat ability. Uh the fact that if you can get him loose on the outside, he can take it to the house. And he said that that, that was kind of the difference. You know, early in his career he was only an outside guy. Uh, you know, the outside zone runs, you know, that was his forte. Uh put his foot in the ground, turn up field. And, you know, if a team stopped that, he wasn't necessarily that useful for USC, um, but he showed this year, you know, adding the extra weight. He was at two oh nine yesterday. He said he wants to play at two ten. He said it was just because he ate a light breakfast that he didn't weigh in at two ten. I guess. Uh, uh, so he
2: a big breakfast.
0: So maybe that's also because of the food in LA. Because he said, you know, he was asked about his time at, at USC, and he said, you know, I love my time here and everything. Uh, but then he was like. Well, everything except for the food, you know, he's still, I guess he's still looking for that Whataburger to come really, to, come to yeah. LA. So. I just
2: wasn't that impressed when I went to Dallas with the, the Whataburger, you know, I was like, eh.
0: Yeah, he said, uh, just looking at the, the quote here, he said, it was a great experience coming to USC, reflecting on it. He said, the people I met, the connections I made, and then on and off the field, it, it's just been fantastic. The only thing I didn't like was the food. I got some friends for life though, so I enjoyed my experience. <laughs> That's
2: pretty funny. Well, we'll see. I mean, I don't think – it's it's funny. I just did a uh, Cleveland radio – she did a couple of Cleveland radio shows today talking about Sam Darnold, but they they would ask about Ronald Jones and some of the other players too. And uh, I don't think he helped himself yesterday. You know, like the fact that he didn't do any kind of drills, but he caught balls. And if you could argue what's the – part of his game he needs to work on the most is probably catching the football out of the backfield. So let's go when you're injured, catch footballs in the rain – and he drops the balls, and it just you could kind of predict that that was going to happen. I just don't think he. I just would have rather not seen him do anything yesterday and wait for a few weeks when he's going to try to do his own personal pro day.
0: Yeah, he's going to have a second pro day, quote unquote, uh, and possibly with Deontay Burnett. Both yeah. of them, those guys, are dealing with hamstring injuries. That's why uh, Ronald Jones pulled up at the combine. He'd been, you know, nursing a, a hamstring injury from he said Valentine's Day that, around then. Um, so still, he said seventy five percent is where he was yesterday. He said he wanted to get out there and try to show that he's got hands and run routes because one of the things that, that at the combine the feedback he got from NFL is that he ran a very basic route uh, tree basically the concepts that uh, the routes that he ran were pretty basic you know and he tried to defend that saying hey I wasn't the you know I wasn't the the primary target on those plays you know I'm just you know they're Sam's throwing to the receivers not to the running backs that wasn't a big part of the offense and I think USC sometimes did that with, with Stephen Carr. He was sometimes the primary. Didn't necessarily do that with Ronald Jones. I think he's trying to show that he could, you know, can do that. He wants to be a three down back. Obviously, he's not going to get paid as much. He's not going to be, you know, he's not going to continue his, uh, he's not going to draft it as high if he can't be a three down back. Right. So he's trying to show that. Uh, I didn't think he really helped himself either. You know, the fact that it was raining and he did drop a couple balls. Now, maybe he showed that he could do a different route or something that, that maybe the NFL Scott was looking for. Uh, maybe that helped him out. Uh, but I think he has a chance to, to make more money and improve his draft stock in a couple of weeks when he has that second pro day if he can get healthy run the 40 he needs to show you know what he can run the 40 and he said you know he expects 43s uh you know somewhere around the 435 area or somewhere out right there he said he expects that that's an expectation for him and he also said he thinks he's a top 2 running back he said it's him and Sa- Saquon he said that guy's a beast obviously but right. he said he thinks he's in that that mix for the, the top 2 running backs in the, the draft and if he proves that he might be the second Trojan picked. We discussed this earlier is like who will it be? Ron Jones will it be Rasheem Green? Probably going to be one of those guys. Uh, but Ronald Jones could potentially, I've seen some mock drafts where he's, you know, mid first round. You know, there's some teams, uh, there's some teams in the teens, uh, late teens that are looking for running back, Detroit Lions being one, uh, that I've seen him connected with. And he said yesterday he was meeting with the Lions at, at some point, um, and the Bears and a couple other teams, I can't remember off the top of my head that he said he's met with. Um, so he, he's a guy that, that has to show that he has the speed, that the speed is legit, legit. Um, And then also show that he can catch the ball and maybe a dry day in a couple weeks you know, where he can focus on that. He said he's been working with – he's actually working out in Georgia, um, I think he said. And he's working out with a quarterback from FIU. He's working on the jugs machine. He's going through those type of things. He's trying to improve that. And if you remember what he looked like as a freshman when he first got here, the hands in – it's a vast improvement, yeah. and it, it maybe even he pops in the tape and say, "Hey, this is what I was three years ago. Give me time; I can, you know, I can improve that much more again." Uh, I think he can show that because he's put in the work and was much better this year at catching the ball.
2: Yeah, I think him and Wally Patiku were the worst hands on the team. Or like, <laughs> they had hands like feet. No, it wasn't that bad, but it was it was pretty bad. I remember him
0: trying to catch punts, and it was not a pretty sight. One no. of his first or second practices. I don't I don't know if he caught one. It was it was like one or two that he may have caught. Uh, but he really struggled with that. And, you know, at the beginning of last year even, you know, I remember there was a fall practice and he ran a, a wheel route up the sideline and goes kind of over a, a DB, or not a DB, a, a linebacker that was covering him was a step behind and kind of catches the ball that was a little bit behind and his, his teammates ran out on the field. They were all yeah. shocked and, and, and awed uh, that he had made this catch. And then it became became a little bit more routine. He could catch a little bit more than just the flare pass out of the background, uh, out of the backfield. Caught some, you know, that big catch against Arizona down the sideline. You know, he, he made some big plays, and, and you know, I think that he's shown some progress there. So I think he can definitely help himself more if he has a really good second pro day uh, when he runs and if he's full strength going uh, later in a couple weeks. I think he said a couple, yeah. two to three weeks. It, he's hoping that the hamstring will be healthy by then.
2: I think it's important for him and Deontay Burnett to have that. You want I mean, Deontay Burnett comes out, he's kind of undersized guy you want to be able to show what he can do so I, I mean yeah if, if it'd be unfortunate for Deontay to not get drafted at all and coming out early uh, but for Ronald Jones you have to show that speed someone's got to clock him at a decent speed so we'll see if that happens in a few weeks I think
0: Burnett has shown with his tape that he is a very good receiver that he can find the holes in the zones can he can do all this the cerebral things you need a slot receiver to do However, and I think also at the combine, weighing in at 188 pounds was big because he's listed at 170 at USC, you know. And, and there was concern about the frailty of him. Uh, he played pretty much the entire season. He, I think he nicked up his shoulder at one point, but I don't, he didn't miss any time. Which I actually predicted before the game. I was like, all right, which game do you think it'll be the one that Deontay Burnett misses? Because I figured he's a pretty frail guy. He'd been nicked up a couple times previously, but he went through the whole season. I think that extra weight helped him. Same with Ronald Jones, uh, you know, being able to run through contact for Jones. And you know, I think that. Um, that Burnett has to show that he can run and stuff. That's the question uh, for him. Teams want to see how fast he can run, how quickly he can get. You know, can he get to that second level? If he's in the slot, can he get on a, against his own defense? Can he get behind the linebackers quick enough where that the pass rush doesn't get there? That that window opens up. Those type of things that they need to see the speed there. So I, I think it's important for him to run. It, yeah, like you said, it'd be very uh, unfortunate for him that if you know for some reason he doesn't get drafted because he can't work out before the draft uh, for teams to see what he can do.
2: So we want to talk about some of the other guys too, but let's. Uh, I'm going to read you this question from Mark in Crown City, and we'll uh, we'll be able to talk about some of these other players. But this is one of the bigger problems too that a lot of people have mentioned. He said, "Watch the NFL Network coverage of today's USC Pro Day exhibition. Couldn't help but noticing the extraordinary physical transformation of every participant, particularly Sam, Nico, and Viani." Dan made similar comments in his ghost notes and instant analysis. How is it possible these players? Can get so much quicker and stronger with sizable upper body mass in the two months when they've been in a program with dedicated strength and conditioning resources and training for three to four years. Any conversations with the players, their parents, or outside trainers would suggest that USC strength and conditioning leadership and approach is not up to the necessary level for elite competition. Understand this has been a topic for a number of years. Pro Day illustrates, uh, the Pro Day illustration seemed to bring the issue home big time. Fight on Mark and Crown City
0: it's definitely something that's disconcerting you, you see that not just the the addition of weight which may be hey they're working out all the time they don't have classes they you know they can eat whatever they want to eat they're not being told by the nutrition staff here to hey we need you to drink this kale smoothie or whatever it is uh you know they they're able to bulk up if that's what they're trying to do and i think it shows to the nfl personnel that hey i'm willing to put the work in i've you know this is what i've done in just three months since the season but it's disconcerting for usc that it wasn't just adding weight. A guy like Vianney Talamavayo you know, transformed his body, losing forty pounds. Uh, he said, uh, and, and the fact that you know, it seemed to be almost every guy. There was some transformation <laughs> for every guy. That a guy like Nico Fala just looked like a completely different dude. He did. I mean, I think Dan referenced it. He looked like he was an SEC lineman. Yes. And you know, that's what NFL lineman looked like. Whereas you know, he played at a, a smaller size uh, as as USC center. And in three, you know, in five years, now he added some weight from when he first got here from St. John Bosco, obviously. But what he get, he couldn't in five years get to where he was. What he did in three months, <laughs> like that's the question that you you suddenly start asking. Right now, maybe it's the coaching question. It's fair, and, yeah. and maybe the coaching staff says, you know, we want leaner guys. We don't want guys that are real bulky. We want guys that can move. Maybe as offensive lineman, hey, we want to do more zone concepts. We want you to get out. We want to pull with the center. different things like that. Maybe that's what the the. Um, Maybe that's what's being told to the coach, the strength and conditioning coaches from the coaching staff. But, you know, the fact that there, there's such blatant transformations is it, kind of disconcerting for the USC strength and conditioning staff. Or if it's not their uh, directive, then from the coaches, that, that this is what the players look like before and this is what they look like after. You know, they take three months to to work and prepare for this big job interview, this NFL combine, this pro day, and they look completely different.
2: Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about some of the other guys too that potential to get drafted. Uh, you have a picture of uh, Uchenna and Wusu up there. I was talking to a representative from the Chargers, and seems like you know there's a possibility middle of the second round he could go there. Any thoughts on what he did and, and where he might go or how that would go?
0: You know, Uchenna's a guy that the speed it, is there. You know, the question is how much can he cover? He didn't do a ton of coverage drills from what I saw. I Number mean, no. some, um, but not a ton. What he does and where he's going to make his money is getting to the quarterback. That's what he was so good at at USC. You know, coming off the edge, being kind of that Von Miller. That's a guy he said that he kind of tried to replicate. That's a guy whose moves he watched, who's a little bit undersized guy coming off the edge for the Broncos on, uh, as an outside linebacker, but uses his speed well, knows when to spin move, can really read the balance of offensive linemen. And that's what Eugene who has to do. He's a guy that I thought would. Maybe pop some numbers uh, at the combine that that maybe stood out, but I never really heard anything about that. yeah, uh, so I, I think where his money comes is just in his ability to get the to, to the quarterback. I don't think he really wowed anyone at the combine or anything. Rashim green, a little bit different. you yeah. know he looked thicker, you know he looked more barrel chested. I mean his his entire core kind of looked thicker to me. Um, and I think that he's a guy that, that has a chance to get a little draft helium, you know, late. Uh, you know, as teams look for pass rushers, and he's a guy that's the versatile can do uh, can play inside, can play outside. Uh, if a team, maybe somebody like the the Patriots, I know he's been mock drafted to them a couple times. If a team like that that really values versatility, uh, I could see him, you know, moving up in the draft a little bit, and maybe even moving into it late in the first round. Uh, both of those guys didn't do anything to hurt themselves yesterday. I don't think that they nothing really stood out uh, that really popped to say that they really did help themselves either though.
2: So, um, so there, yeah, a couple of guys. Rasheed Green's kind of a, it's funny because he's he just looks like a ready-made defensive lineman on the West Coast, which you don't see a lot. More of an SEC kind of guy, but he's so quiet, you know. And I don't know if that hurt him at all that he's not this you know trash-talking, gregarious personality kind of guy that you would expect sometimes from a defensive lineman.
0: Yeah, he's he just goes about his business and does yeah. it. Uh, and you know, since U Daisy, you know, started taking over and working with him, you know, he got the kind of got the most out of him, and uh, you know, got him to participate and and really attack practices more and watch more film. And I think he really took off the last couple of years, which is kind of ironic that the guy working him out yesterday was former USC defensive line coach yeah. Chris Wilson who's now with the Eagles and he was working out both Racine Green and Josh Fatu putting them through the position drills yesterday so uh kind of kind of just a coincidence you know another former USC uh um, someone with USC ties a former coach you know, Hugh Jackson was there you had Keyshawn, you had Matt Liner you had a bunch of guys there you know Marcus Sanchez and Chris yeah. Conway just you know former Trojans all over the field uh whether they were media members or You know, uh, NFL personnel. But uh, going back to Rasheem Green, I I think he's a guy that is going to have a long, fruitful NFL career as long as he doesn't, you know, suffer a bad injury or anything. Like I said, he looked even thicker uh, yesterday. Um, I think he's got that quick burst off the line that the teams really like. So I I think he's a guy that, like I said, didn't really help himself necessarily, but I don't think he hurt himself either. Yeah, it's
2: funny. Former uh, linebacker Mike Vrabel, the the Tennessee Titans' new head coach, he was. On the pads, working out with uh, Uchenna and Wusu, so that was kind of fun to see that. Um, so there there's a lot of interesting aspects of pro day. A couple guys that didn't make the combine, like on the defensive side, like a Chris Hawkins or a Josh Fatu. Uh, what do you think? What do you think about what they did?
0: Uh, Josh Fatu, I didn't see his times necessarily. Uh, you know, I think he's a guy that'll get a, a shot. You know, yeah. he's not.
2: He had a good bench. I think he had like twenty nine oh, yeah, reps on the bench or something.
0: Yeah, or he some, would have been some... top ten. I think uh, of defensive tackles or defensive linemen. I'm not sure uh, how it was distinguished um, at the combine if he was a participant in that. You know, he's a guy that that do teams think he's big enough uh, to play a nose tackle or be a defensive tackle? That's going to be the question for him. Maybe he gets a shot and can show him stuff, His stuff. Chris Hawkins is a guy I think that he's the. Besides Sam Darnold, I think he's the guy that helped himself the most yesterday. Oh, good. Uh, the fact that he was able to to run, I think it was a four six eight, um, which was would have been top five amongst safeties at the combine, and his three cone drill would have been top ten amongst the safeties at the combine. You know, the question has never been: Can does Chris Hawkins decipher plays? it's does he is he athletic enough to to get from sideline to sideline you know if a if a quarterback moves his eyes is he quick enough to to be able to recover and i think those two drills showed that yes he can do that he can be you know he can do just as well as any other safety and he even commented on twitter is like uh you know the athleticism is what everybody kind of questions with him and he said well what about now uh you know he's certainly a, a very intelligent player and is actually someone who has been able to help a lot of other players with the fact that he can line people up and he knows the whole defense and he would point things out to everyone else. And I know that NFL, uh, GMs really value that, you know, you, you gotta have people that can can make plays obviously with athleticism, but you gotta have play, people that can, they can decipher what is being, what is going on on the other side of the ball. And he's a guy that can definitely do that. I think he really helped himself out with the numbers he put up yesterday.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, Anyone else? Uh, we talked about Vianney losing 40 pounds. What, how about he wasn't at the combine? Anyone else that kind of...
0: I thought he was in much better shape, you know, just uh, just seeing him uh, out there. And, you know, he was healthy. He couldn't bench because of the, uh, the pectoral or bicep. I can't remember which one he tore last, but that ended his uh, season. Um, but he did everything else, so that's a good sign for him. Uh, you saw guys like Matt Lopes and stuff out there, and and you never know if a team's looking for you know yeah. a specific uh, need as a offensive, I mean, uh, um, as a special teams player or something like that. So you always try to put your best foot forward. I know Quentin Powell was wishing everybody luck yesterday. That's the same thing, and I thought maybe he would get an opportunity as a as a special team type of player as well. You saw some some unique faces out there, I guess. I mean, Darian Clark being the basketball player you yeah. know that uh, from Grant, that left USC to go to Grand Canyon coming back and, and playing and hadn't played football in, I think, five or six years. But also Khalil Rogers,
1: yes. the offensive
0: lineman who left USC to go to North Carolina. Um, he could never found a true fit. He was a guy that bounced back and forth. He, his uh, final season at USC, he was moved over to the d- defensive side. Played a little bit against Alabama in the Alabama game as a defensive tackle, and then when Toa Lomandan, when they found out he was out for the season, moved back to the offensive side. Kind of got stuck as a backup, and you know never really found a place uh, on the offensive line in a, a starter's role. So left to go to North Carolina. He was back at USC for pro day. Yeah, that was kind of strange and, and interesting. What and also Travis Wilson, we already talked about. You know. Just a, a random hodgepodge of guys yeah. that kind of showed up.
2: The Cleo Rogers thing was weird. Like if Kenny Bigelow was still around, like his high school teammate, then maybe it would have made more sense. But I, it didn't seem like there was really much of a reason for him to come back to USC. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, he was maybe – and if if you're one of these guys, one of these guys we just talked about, then that's a great opportunity because you know everyone's going to be there. Yeah. And you don't know what they're looking for. Maybe, hey, we need a quarterback. Sure, we're going to look at Sam Darnold. We need a running back. We're going, to, we're going to Ronald Jones. But, you know, sixth, seventh round, we're looking for this or this. Or we're looking for this in a, as an undirected free agent. So maybe it's an opportunity just to get some extra eyeballs. And that's why Khalil Rogers and, and some of those other guys were out because they knew that hey, there's probably going to be more NFL personnel at the USC Pro Day than the North Carolina Pro Day. Yeah. Well,
2: we're going to talk about the uh, the football team, too, not the guys that just moved on. Before we do that, a few questions about that. Want wanted to thank our sponsor, Trader Joe's. They've been selling delicious foods and beverages at terrific everyday prices for nearly 50 years. So, yeah, like in August, it was their 50th anniversary. So, pretty cool. Um, they've been great with us. We've, uh, we did an awesome event back in August at the new USC Village. Checking that out. It's awesome. So, I can't believe that the students here can walk downstairs from their dorm and walk into Trader Joe's and pick up snacks and stuff. I mean, how jealous are you of that shotgun? That's now crazy. I
0: did live across the street from Trader Joe's previously.
2: Okay. But not at USC.
0: No, but that's why I'm super jealous because it was so convenient. <laughs> like you go home and you're like, oh, I don't know what I want to eat. I'll just go across the street and grab yeah. something.
2: It's funny. My wife, I, I think every night we have something from Trader Joe's. I love buying the, the specialty beers. There's some really cool stuff there. And uh, I always, if you need to stock up on just house wine, It's a great place to do that, too, if you just need wine for around the house. We were trying – the bags I know are very popular, the USC Trader Joe's bags. We were trying to do an event before the spring practice game or whatever you want to call it. Um, I've got some – I hit a roadblock with USC not allowing us to do something on campus. So I don't think it makes a lot of sense to do it at Trader Joe's. We're going to try to work something out. If we don't get to have an event where we're giving out those – the whole point is we want to give out those bags. We'll do an event at some point, but I'm working on the thing for spring practice. It doesn't look like it's going to happen. So I apologize for that. But I'm I'm getting some flack from USC. Can't imagine USC like giving you flack about anything, would you?
0: you know? Yeah, you, know, you never, <laughs> never. The spring anyway, finale is, I think, what we should just call it. Spring it's finale, not really like a that. game. Yeah, we don't know exactly if they're going to do even some situations and stuff. So yeah,
2: I like that. Well, Colorado had a spring game. I was doing the podcast of champions. They had a spring game before practice ended, so they had three more practices after the spring game. Huh. So that seemed very strange. That's unique. And they're almost done; like they'll be done this week. They're probably they might be done today. Like so, they're and, and some people haven't even started spring ball yet, which
0: is so. surprising because if you're in Colorado, wouldn't you wait till you get warmer weather? Yeah,
2: I don't know. I think indoor stuff. I I am just not sure, but.
0: And you were you were watching you were like uh, I watched the spring game. Should I watch this this taped uh, Colorado <laughs> spring game or the USC nit game? Yes,
2: we're gonna get to that a little bit at the end, but we're gonna do some USC spring football first, and then we'll 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 right. we'll do a dessert of, of <laughs> basketball. But here's a a question a voicemail question about Jack Jones. Here you go.
1: Hi, this is Trent from Sacramento. Uh, I just wanted to comment on Jack Jones sitting out the spring for academic reasons. It uh, seems to be another indicator that he's a guy that's become complacent in his position at USC. And I think it'd be great if one of the younger corners would challenge him for his starting role, um, just a forced development for both Jones and the younger player. But it's, it seems like competition really isn't incentivized at USC because time and time again we, we hear about guys who are outperforming older players in practice and they still don't see the field And it really it seems like it just stunts the growth of both the younger players and the depth of USC. And we we know that you need depth to compete at the highest level of college football. So I think USC is just simply holding themselves back by not allowing younger players to play against uh, lesser opponents. Love to hear your thoughts. Fight on. Now,
0: I would say that USC would love to play younger players against lesser opponents. However, they never got those big leads that would allow that yeah. and give guys opportunities to, you know, to make some plays. You see Matt Fink, you know, getting a 51-yard run against Oregon State and things like that that can can ultimately lead to a little bit extra opportunities. You know, if you you see a guy like, uh, well, know, granted some of the times you, you see a guy like Levi Jones, you know, put some pressure on a Texas quarterback and like hey, got guess that guy a couple plays a game. Right. He was probably my the one I've, I've championed the most. He should have got a couple more plays every game. Um, but I think this year, the third year in the system, uh, Kim Smith talked about, hey, we're just focusing. We're trying to make, be crisp. We're focusing on the details. It's, not in, it's, it's basically, you know, the first year was install. The first spring with Clancy back was install. There were a couple guys, older guys, Michael Hutchings, those type of guys that knew what to do, uh, but everyone else was still learning. The second year was, um, was trying to play fast and instead of thinking. And now you're actually—we don't have to think about it. It's—it's it's natural, you know. Except for the the young guys, you know, they're able to go out there and, and just make plays and go to work. And I think that's going to help this group. And if there are more guys that kind of step up and, and Clancy trusts, it sounds like there's going to there's a, more of an emphasis to to play more guys, rotate a little bit more on that defensive side. I know that I think that's something that Clay Helton may be passing down to Clancy, like, hey, let's play some of the younger guys a little bit more, some guys that have earned things. You've seen it's a safety spot where Chris Hawkins is being replaced. You've seen three different guys already rotating in there. You've seen Akili Ross, who's playing there with the first team, and then with the second string has been at the nickel. Uh, you've also seen Bubba Bolden getting first-team reps there. I think C.J. Pollard is getting first-team reps there this week. Uh, so they're rotating those positions. I think you're going to see uh, some more guys. And with the linebacker class they got coming in, there's some good guys in there. Yeah. <laughs> so they're going to want to try to get those guys on the field in, in some uh, form or fashion. And I think even some of the guys that are that are not as talked about, guys like Juliana Falonico or Hunter Eccles, they're kind of forgotten or just special teams guys. I think they have been able to kind of step their game up and, and kind of earn some opportunities more and more. And you see a guy like Jordan Iasefa who was – you know, like I think it was a three star linebacker coming out of Hawaii nobody yeah. he was like oh okay we got a linebacker named Jordan Isaefa but no one really paid any attention and he was on special teams his first year and made some plays and then last year you know he's making more and more plays he earned that kind of that sam spot initially and that's where he started this spring we'll see how it goes and whether they, they keep him on the outside or moving back inside how they kind of use him but he's a guy that's earned that trust that they they threw him in there in the Notre Dame game you know, they were having issues controlling the the edge uh, with the read option. And they said, hey, go in there. He's like, it was basically like, what do you want me to do? Just go in there, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you ready? Yeah, okay, go. And uh, I think he's a guy yeah, that— Even his
2: freshman year, he came in, like, he had a package. Like, was it the jumbo package? There was some package that he was, like, the regular guy in. Like, one of the first guys in his class to actually be playing— on defense. I forget which the package was, but it was a certain package he was in for.
0: He was in, the, uh, I believe, the jumbo package against Stanford. Okay. He and John Houston were two linebackers that would check in, uh, and then they would take a couple of DBs off. This year, when they went with the jumbo package, they moved two freshman guys. And It was Brandon Peely and yeah. uh, and Marlon Peloto. initially were, were the guys going in there on the defensive line. Uh, instead of linebacker so it it just kind of depends on what they use but you see some guys that that get those opportunities and and clancy uses different formations different packages i mean most of the time they're in the nickel but then when you see them go against washington state you see matt lopes get pushed to to the linebacker position you get ukuley ross playing some linebacker and playing some dime and different things so uh, clancy's going to do some different things in that regard we'll see how deep he goes into that rotation of players
2: Okay, I'm going to mention your name to you, Isaiah Langley. Do you remember two years ago? Now, different situation. He wasn't coming in as a starter, but he was projected to be a starter. Uh, had to miss the Alabama game for a violation of team rules. Didn't really see him like the rest. Of, he wasn't really in the mix the rest of the time. Could that happen to Jack Jones?
0: I think part of the thing with Isaiah Langley was him losing his confidence a little bit. He's got that back now, and he's played. He played much better. He played really well down the stretch that year. But I think. Uh, there was some off-the-field stuff along with the you know the arrest that he had, I think arrest or ticket or whatever it was over at uh, UCLA that he yeah. got, which forced the one-game suspension. He was a guy that was, he wasn't necessarily going to start, but he was going to be in that competition um, to, I think it was t- to take a Dory's role or to take Kevon Seymour, whichever guy had left the year before, to, to potentially take that role. That's what it was, Kevon Seymour yeah. with Iman Marshall. Uh, so it was going to be a battle, and Isaiah Langley had played some the year before. So they, you know it looked like he could actually compete for that spot. Instead, you know he kind of fell down the depth chart. New coaches too, uh, so you, know, you get in trouble. That doesn't, get, doesn't give you extra any extra marks with a new coaching <laughs> staff. Um, so no. so, but he's a guy that's bounced back. Now, how does Jack Jones respond to the situation? That's the question. Jack Jones is a guy with a ton of confidence, uh, and, and I, I love talking to Jack Jones because he's honest. And he, when he makes mistakes, he admits it, and, and he w- says he's got to do better. Uh, and people get upset when he says, hey, I want to be a Heisman, you know, I want to be a Heisman trophy winner. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Because he has a high expectation. He's like, in his head, he probably knows that's not a possibility. He doesn't play offense, and he's not a quarterback or a running back. So pretty much no one's going to win a Heisman <sighs> unless you're one of those two things. Um, but that's his goal because he wants to achieve the highest level. And so we'll see how he bounces back from this. Uh, you, you know, there's there's been issues with him getting some personal fouls and some unsportsmanlike stuff. But he also draws those on the other team. Like, how much do you try to neuter his uh, his personality and his uh, I guess aggressiveness when he's on the field? Uh, how much do you try to calm that down? And how does he respond to this situation where he's not even going to participate in the spring practice? Does he come back and is he you know is he ready to be that guy? Is this you know sometimes you talk to guys when they get injured? And they say, you know, I sat out and I saw the game in a new way. You know, I saw what coach was talking about actually. You know, I had a guy uh, for, you know, in a different sport actually, I was talking to the other day. He got injured. He was out for five weeks. He said, I finally saw what coach was telling me about on the <laughs> defensive end, like what I needed to do because he sat out and he's like, you, t- everything's taken away. Yeah. You know, you suddenly realize, like, wow, I'm not getting any playing town now. I'm injured. It's going to be a road back. And you say, "Oh, this is what I need to do to actually, you know, work my way back in that rotation to get that trust." Now I see what's going on. Does that happen to him, or is he too stubborn and does he let this, you know, does he? Um, I can't think of the right word. To, does he let this kind of simmer and, and fester inside and and not use it in the right direction? And then does he become an issue with the team? I and mean, that could happen. I mean, if you have someone who's a, a very uh, a talkative person and they don't get the they don't have like things that are going their way I've seen teams have guys that become you know locker room cancers and stuff I don't think that's the issue with Jack Jones I don't think that'll be the case but with someone that is verbose and, and uh, braggadocious as he is when he makes a play then <laughs> you know, you is. could see something like that so I'm interested to see how he comes back when he when we see him in the spring I mean in the summer workouts and stuff like that now he stopped by practice I believe once or twice already, um, just for a short stance or whatever, but he, he's focusing on the academics and everything else. So, uh, we'll see, you know, where he is this summer when, when they come back, if he's working out with them this summer, you yeah. know, that'll be something. And then where he's kind of projected when they get back, cause they're going to have a last year in the cotton bowl, there was three DBs are three cornerbacks. It was him, Iman and, and Isaiah Langley. So one guy gets nicked up. The other guy has to play. It didn't matter if, <laughs> if he was in the, the doghouse of doghouse. They just didn't have anyone else. This year, you're bringing in some talented uh, freshman cornerbacks and Elijah Griffin and Chase Williams is already on campus and Isaac Taylor Stewart. So uh, I, I think that uh, you know he's going to have to step up his game and, and go out there and produce a little bit more than he did in the second half. He was really good in the first half, though. It was kind of a, a flip-flop of him and Iman Marshall. Iman Marshall struggled a little bit early. Coming back from the injury was great. Jack Jones was great early uh, and then struggled in the, the Colorado game, the UCLA game down the stretch.
2: But well, Jamel Cook was he- healthy still, right? Like, wasn't
0: he? But I don't he, – he was healthy. I guess that was not technically – because when Clancy was asked about it on – Yeah. Um, on signing day, he said, yeah, we took three cornerbacks to, and to I, the Cotton Bowl. I think
2: that's kind of crap because – but
0: – Maybe he was already determined that he was not going to play from a certain time, which yeah. maybe that explains more about why Jamel Cook yeah. is no longer here and why – you know, he was never on the field when he could have been playing special teams and some other things.
2: There's some weird stuff on there. Um, we got one more team thing. And we'll jump into some hoops. Uh, Eric and Duck Country, have you noticed Matt Fink developing chemistry with any specific receiver?
0: Hmm, that's a that's a good question. Like when Sam Darnold took over, you knew that he and Deontay Burnett they just had a connection. Yeah. But, but even more so than that, he and Daniel Amore to baby, because those two guys have been on the scout team together. They worked really well. I think you see a connection with Tyler Vaughn's, but maybe that's just because Tyler Vaughn is really good.
2: Like there have been practices where he got a lot of balls thrown his way yeah. from everybody, you know. But I, yeah, maybe that's you're right. I mean, I think Pittman's had his time too. It just seems like those are the better receivers. I, I don't know if it's well, those better are the better chemistry.
0: receivers. And and if you look back a year when when Tyler Vaughn's was redshirting, you know, he was on scout team. Matt Fink was the quarterback. So maybe that has something to do with it. Yeah. Maybe those two guys have a connection. Michael Pittman, I'm trying to remember back because he wasn't redshirting, so I think he was getting more rotations with those older guys. But there was a lot of guys, so I think he was probably still doing some scout team work as well himself. So maybe that's why those guys kind of kind of have a connection. I think Trayvon Sidney is another guy that has, has made some plays early, and and Pai Young even. And all those guys were on the scout team with Fink. So I think there's a little bit of uh, those guys that are in that – yeah, that sophomore and junior classes or two or three years at USC, I think those guys have a little bit more connection with Fink so far.
2: All right. Uh, reluctantly, we're going to talk a little hoops. Okay. <laughs> um, well, Steve, Super Steve, not just Steve, Super Steve in Seattle. Guys, does anyone find Bill Walton insufferable? Man, what a tool. And USC, both NIT games, you got to see uh Bill Walton. Are you a Bill Walton fan, Shotgun? I'm or? not
0: really a Walton fan.
2: I'm not really. I like... I you know I do the podcast with David Woods and he likes it mean, he's a UCLA guy but I, I get that you could like some of the shtick but sometimes it's just it's just too much for me you know
0: I like the uniqueness very unique. of him yes. I like that he's different however I I want my commentator my analyst my color guy to actually be talking about the game it's, that's it's the biggest issue I have it is
2: distracting yeah. if you're trying to watch the game it's like if he's going off on solar energy or or fighting with uh, Dave Pash <laughs> Effort. it's like it's uncomfortable sometimes you know i feel bad for passion he's got to do that
0: and and the thing is like i will go back and occasionally when when i you know write my three-pointer i'll write a you know a quick game or whatever at the stadium i'll go home sometimes re-watch a game or you know just put it because you know the, the late night version will come on and just put it on while i'm writing and stuff or when i'm doing other stuff and i like to hear what the commentators say because a lot of times i'm looking at my computer while i'm typing um and i like to hear you know how they describe it if there's some stats i may have missed or something like that and you don't get that with those those two. I mean past tries and, and and tries to reel him in sometimes, but Walton's just kinda all over the place. So I'm not a big fan of it.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay, Steve wrote in, guys, in forty-seven years of my life, I have not seen the Pac 10, or Twelve in this sad a state of affairs. As Twitter's Percy Allen said, another brutal twenty-four hours for pack twelve men's hoops, which went one and four in the NIT in the second round. Uh Number one seed USC, number three Oregon, number three Stanford, number five Washington lost. Number two, Utah's the only team that's alive. Uh, Nothing short of an IT title can bring begin to salvage a miserable season for the Pac-12, plus the sorry bowl showings. What's going to fix this? I hate being pessimistic, but things uh, look like rock bottom and the FBI. Ugh. That's from Steve.
0: So he you say ugh, I'm going to say bruh. Bruh. Bruh, put me in charge of the Pac-12. Give me $4 million. I'll at least <laughs> talk to, to to Kevin Sumlin and tell him, hey, open some practices up. This is ridiculous. You're a new coach. We've had terrible uh, PR for this school. We need you to open practices up and give some feel-good stories. That's a terrible situation in, in and of itself. Um I think part of the issue with basketball this year in particular, there was a talent diaspora. You know, you you saw uh, Oregon lost all their talent, UCLA lost uh, all their talent, and then UCLA loses guys in China, you know, two talented freshmen they were supposed to play. Arizona lost some guys, but, you know, we're supposed to be a little bit better than they were. And then also the FBI investigation was hanging over both Arizona and USC. USC loses some guys during the season, and so they're not the same team they were expected to be. You know, if USC and Arizona were the same teams that they were expected to be, um, then you're not talking about this necessarily. You're just like, oh, well, Oregon's having a down year because they lost three NBA guys off their team. Uh, oh, UCLA's, you know, they had the China thing or whatever. But they still made the tournament. If they had the, the two of the freshmen, they probably won a couple more games. They're a bigger seed. Maybe they're a, a six or seven seed. Nobody's saying, "Oh, well, that's terrible." Um, and then Arizona just, State was better than they were expected at the beginning of the season, yeah. and they just kind of flamed out. And, and you know, teams it's a little bit different in non-conference versus conference where hey we've we've seen this team for 3 years we we know what moves Shannon Evans likes to do we know where he wants to pull up or you know or Trey Holder a guy that's been there 4 years they they've seen these guys over and over so you have a better um, a better ability to defend guys whereas against you know Xavier or Kansas maybe they get a day and a half to prepare for a team because they're coming off a different game and they're like okay well this is what we we know now you don't have as much time it's not you know ingrained in your head um, so I think Arizona just kind of struggled when you got in conference. I think, I think if you if you look at how conferences work out, you're always like, how did that team upset so-and-so? How did USC last year upset UCLA when they were undefeated or whatever with Lonzo Ball? Well, because they had a scouting report on Lonzo Ball, and they realized that, hey, Lonzo either shoots a three or he shoots a layup. So don't guard him in the mid-range at all. Yeah. Drive him into a big and force him to kick out, and he had a bunch of turnovers. And now, granted, the second time they played – UCLA made some adjustments off of what USC and you see that more it's more like a series in basketball an NBA uh, you know playoff series where there's adjustments back and forth between when teams play versus when you just see a team once every you know three four 16 years the last time you played a team when you play them in the uh, non-conference.
2: Overall disappointing season right 23 wins still has to be a disappointing season. For USC
0: yes Uh, and it's disappointing, but I kind of just say you kind of chalk it up and throw it away because you look at the team they put on the court for that NIT, and it's not the team that they envisioned having. No. I mean, you had De'Anthony Melton never played. De'Anthony Melton is it was what they called their Swiss Army knife. You can do it offensively, defensively. You can block shots. You can get steals. You can do a little bit of everything. You look at Benny Boatwright going out. He was injured early in the season. He uh, injures his knee late in the season. Temezi Metu doesn't play in the NIT. So you have two of your five starters. Take any team in the country. I don't care which one. North Carolina, Duke. I don't care. I mean, Duke has ridiculous recruiting classes the last couple of years. But you take three of their starters off. You take Bagley off. You take Gary Trent, and you take Grayson Allen. That team ain't playing the same as they were that they're playing right now. So it, it doesn't matter that that uh, that a team. Uh, doesn't perform as much to me because there were extenuating circumstances. So I kind of just chalked this one up. Disappointing, definitely. Yeah, Is it a fireable offense like some people want to say? I don't think so. I think infield uh, has done enough to earn the trust that, hey, this is a blip. We're going to come back. We've got a good recruiting class coming in. Uh, we're going to get this turnaround administration. We're sorry about this bad year. We'll get it fixed. Because remember – you look at Jordan McLaughlin and Elijah Stewart, the two seniors that are there, and Shamezi Matu uh, is, is going to be leaving as well for the NBA. But those two seniors in particular, look at the three seasons before they got there. It was, I think, 11 and 21, 14 and 18, and 6 and 26. And now, uh, someone tweeted me, is this the most disappointing season ever? No. 6 and 26 and you scored 36 points against Cal Poly in a loss? That's way more disappointing. <laughs> Uh yeah, now, that's pretty bad. And so it's disappointing in the fact that they were top 10 preseason and all of that, and they didn't perform where they were, but there are a lot of different circumstances in that regard. Uh, but next year you come back, and, and it'll be interesting to see how they do next year because they're going to lose a lot of talent, and they're going to find new roles for guys and see how they do. Uh, but the, the last three years of those, those seniors, instead of that 6-26 three years ago, they didn't have the season they wanted to, but they produced the most wins in a three-year span ever at USC and three twenty-three, three twenty-plus win seasons in a row. Uh, so those two guys helped turn around the program, and I think they'll definitely Jordan McLaughlin will be remembered in that lore. I think eventually there's going to be another eleven jersey up in the in the rafters for him. Uh, oh. So, so I think that that this season was was disappointing and unfortunate, but. I don't think it's something that you look at and you go, okay, we got it. We got to clean house and, and change everything. Now, if other stuff comes out in the FBI investigation, maybe then. But yeah. but as of right now, I think I think you stand put.
2: Yeah, McLaughlin won pretty much won that first nit game, and you know, and losing the second one, I, people talk about the collapse at the end, and that's just happened too often where USC doesn't finish out games, but. Which I don't is know the, if you really wanted to finish those games. <laughs> like that, like, it, it was probably better to just part ways with the season at that point, you know
0: which was the exact opposite of last year. And so yeah. last year they won every game coming back from 10 point deficits and stuff. and, and uh, I asked Elijah Stewart earlier is like, what do you think about I think it was Ken Pomeroy has a, has a luck index or something like that. Uh, uh, and you know it's how, how many like teams aren't supposed to win very close games all the time. And it kind of like USC did last year. And then yeah. this year they didn't win any of the close games. So I, I think it was kind of uh, evens
2: itself out a little bit right.
0: evens it out in that <laughs> regard. Um, but you know, I will go back to the Pac 12. I, I think it was down year for basketball. The bigger concern is football and the fact that they haven't been in the national championship conversation really in almost a decade. Yeah. So you, you had Washington get into the playoff and people were like, Washington's going to lose immediately. Like nobody even gave them a chance against Alabama. Now they played pretty well in that game, but the teams that have gone and, and played the big bowl games haven't been great uh, as of late. I mean, the exception being probably the Rose Bowl with with Penn State was just that USC didn't play great in that game. Sam Darnold and Deontay Burnett played great in that game. The defense yeah. was gave up, what, six... Six touchdowns in a row and, and four seven, on like four.
2: Four and four plays or something Yeah, so like
0: crazy. they didn't play great in that. And, you know, maybe a better team than Penn State, you know, beats them in that game if it was in the in the, the Final Four or whatever it is. So I think yeah. your bigger concern is on the uh, the football side and has the Pac-12 fallen behind those other conferences? I think so. Yeah. How are you going to fix that, Larry Scott?
2: Yeah, Oregon had a decent shot. Um, Jeff, class of 1994, called in with a three-minute voicemail, cut him off, then he called in again. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, we, th- we're not your therapists. We can't be like this. Like, Give, a, give us like a minute. We, we'd love to talk about it. But it was more about the Larry Scott and NCAA. What can the Pac-12 do? I, I don't know if there's a lot they can do right now. The presidents don't seem to, to mind all that much. Uh, but it's, Which I think is it's probably going to get worse year after year. And then you know it'll probably take a couple years for like someone to actually do something. But the, the TV contract isn't up until 2024. So that's going to take six more years.
0: The TV contract is an issue. I mean, the fact that how much money is going to the Bay Area to pay for these contracts for Pac-12 it is, is an issue. Uh, the fact that Larry Scott is the highest-paid commissioner and your sports programs are going downhill, that's a fireable offense in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, now, he has the support of the people uh, above him, and that's really all it takes in, in this world is, you know, if your boss is like you, it doesn't matter if you're not performing. Yeah. It's like um, Roger
2: Goodell, and the, if the NFL owners like what he's doing, that's what matters. That you know,
0: public opinion doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, if your bosses are okay with it, I so. think the
2: presidents of the universities. I think the athletic directors are starting to have more and more of a problem. The president's not quite yet a couple, but I think it's going to take more presidents to actually put pressure on them.
0: I mean, the thing that's going to affect the most and will affect changes, which is always the case, is money. You know, yeah. how far is USC or UCLA when they're in a prime TV market falling behind? Piscataway, Piscataway, (laughs) New Jersey and Rutgers is making what, 20 million more a year or something like that, that Dan always says, you know, or Iowa or, you know. uh,
2: Like Iowa State. Yeah. Like stuff like
0: that. Yeah. Yeah. Ames, Iowa and Des Moines. Like these should not be competing money wise with with uh, the USC and UCLA's. And the fact that that on the West Coast, like you have all the the top media markets, like they they should be bringing in more money in that regard. So yeah. and it, it's not the case, and uh, you know if it becomes more of an issue and there's more trouble in the pocket, then that's when Larry Scott will will see you know his head on the chopping block, I guess.
2: All right, I got one last question. I know we got to get out to football practice. Is it raining out there now or not really? No, it looks a little sprinkle. A little sprinkle. Oh, perfect. Um, Okay, SCList in Seattle. This is Reggie. Hey, Ryan, I hope all is well. I'd like to know what you have against USC hiring coaches with USC Connections. USC preaches how the USC Connection means something. They tell recruits that once you are in the USC family, they look out for you. You seem to think that there are no qualified guys out there with USC Connections. Why not reward that connection? Isn't If that's the USC way, USC has hired coaches in the past without USC Connections So that's never been an issue. I just don't understand why you keep harping on them hiring non-USC-connected coaches. It appears your only criteria is that they do not have USC experience. You may not like or agree with the USC way, but it bodes well for the university and anyone connected to, to university. USC actually means it when they say, once a Trojan, you're a Trojan for life. Fight on, Reggie. So... I'll do I'll get your thoughts first and then I'll Okay, I'll I'll
0: pass it back to you since okay. this was directed at you. Uh and I, I think I can answer partly for you is that your concern is not that they hire people with USC connections, is that they don't look at anyone else with that doesn't have USC connection. Yeah. The problem isn't that you settle on somebody that you're familiar with and hey, they understand our environment and everything. The problem is that we don't go search and try to find the best person for the job. Hey, you know, is the best person and someone I'm friends with or someone who's performing better? Like that's what you're getting to. And it's become, you know, it's, it was kind of the classic good old boys kind of network. It's like, hey, these are the guys we know. These are the guys we hire. We don't hire anybody else. So that's something that's has got our entire country in trouble in the past. So why would that become a good idea for USC? Now, they've hired some guys with USC connections and that's worked. They've hired some guys like P. Carroll that didn't have USC connections, and that's where, too. Worked really well. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I think the the issue is that you're not looking outside. And when they did look outside, what happened? Dylan McCullough was pretty darn good. Yes. So I- instead, they, you know, there it becomes that, hey, this is the guy we're going to go get because we know him. And there's no real backup plan. There's no real. Big search or anything? I think that's probably the biggest issue that that you're not taking the time to to go out and look at all these other other coaches. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and get myself pat myself a little on the back a little bit. All I right. said what before um, before the Sark hire, I think it was maybe it was Clay Helton, but but in that mix was got, you got to look at the guy this guy named Dabo over <laughs> in Clemson. I don't know what he, he you know that team you know has constantly been a a, a school, the program that's in fertile recruiting grounds. And would have a good season here or there, but he's producing talent after talent at the NFL level. You know, I think this is a guy that's it's on the way up, and he did all right in the last couple of years. So, but why did you not go look at the, the full breadth? Instead, it was, oh, well, we know Sarkeesian from P. Carroll, we'll bring him in. Oh, well, Clay Helton's already on staff, we'll bring him in. But it didn't seem like there was, and no, those hires could be perfectly fine, but who else did you go look at?
2: Yeah, exactly. And so, Reggie, I get your point. There's a there's certainly something to be said for the USC network and connection. My first job coming out of college, when I was at USC, I was an engineering student. You know, graduated with a EE degree. Gary Wong at Hughes Aircraft Company, big USC guy still to this day. Huge football fan. He only wanted to hire USC people. I mean, it was part like my first job was because, you know. I got looked at for at least for this company because of where I went to school, so I completely understand that.
0: Now, now wait, did you get the CEO job? No,
2: I was an entry level engineer.
0: Uh, So what we're talking about here is a little
2: bit. And I think if you look at the pattern uh, of behavior over the last several years, is what the biggest issue is. Where you're, you know, when you try to replace Pete Carroll, that's never easy to do. You do it with someone in the family, Lane Kiffin, um, trying to repeat that magic. Obviously, that flamed out and didn't work. Then you go back to the well again and you basically hire Lake Giffin 2.0 with Steve Sarkeesian, who had his own issues and baggage and all that kind of stuff. And and the assistants, and all it just was happening over and over and over again. You had one instant incident when or instance where they went outside and they hired Dylan McCullough. And you could argue he was the best assistant coach on the staff. And I think it's more about what I would make the rule that you have to look, you have to at least look at somebody outside the program. Because if you're hiring someone that you know, they don't necessarily have to be qualified. It could just be someone that you know. Like you have Brian Ellis, who's a, a young quarterback coach. You got young quarterbacks at USC that, that have almost zero experience. And Brian Ellis, this is his first time being a full-time quarterback coach. So is that really the best mix to get a, a green coach to go with green quarterbacks? I don't know. But if you were getting someone who you don't know that has no that doesn't know the fight song, they've never been to USC you know what, You can guarantee that they're qualified because you wouldn't hire a guy that you don't know that has zero qualification. You're not going to hire a line cook that you don't know. You're going to hire a really good quarterback coach that you don't know because why? Because he was a really good quarterback coach. You hire someone you know, he might be a good quarterback coach or he might just be your friend, you know? So I think that was my issue is it's just been happening too often. They needed to go outside and do that. So Reggie, I'm not saying abandon all USC connections, but I think at this point, USC should go out and try to, you know, at least interview like the Rudy rule. You the have Trojan to interview. Rule. Yeah, the Trojan Rudy rule. You have to interview two people that don't know the fight song for every job. That, that would be my my rule.
0: Yeah. And it, when you hire people that you do know and, you know, you don't know how capable they are, they haven't proved themselves in, in some er- other areas, it becomes that much more difficult if you have to part ways with them as well.
2: All right. Well, we're going to wrap it up. We had a little cameo from Lindsey Theory here. But, full time beat writer for the LA Times Lindsay is that the no, uh, no. A fill in. she's a fill-in. No, we we love seeing Lindsay Yes we love seeing Lindsay around uh now but we we apologize we were like working doing our show in the media room as as reporters were coming in and out so I apologize to all of them for bothering them but we got our show done, so was,
0: yeah, and they are on the way to practice, so it's yeah. not like they were actually riding or anything. So I don't think they don't really wanted to go
2: out in the rain, so they were kind of hanging out in here <laughs> a little bit more. Um, we're
0: just helping the, our, you know, all the USC fans out by pushing the media out to yeah, to getting
2: practice. them out there, getting more coverage for all you guys. So, all right, well, hope you guys enjoyed this show. Wow, we went over an hour, pretty good um i even did a radio interview in between and that's the magic of editing you guys won't even know probably or maybe will. i don't know but uh that's shotgun sprattling follow him on twitter at shotgun spr i'm ryan abraham follow me on twitter at inside troy i do not know if we're going to do a show with dan i got a lot of stuff going on i'll try to do one maybe over the weekend but keep sending your questions we do appreciate that and hopefully this was a a good pro day roundup we had a a live show we also did earlier today you can see that on uscfootball.com and lots of pro day coverage is up there videos and photos shotgun had a lot of great photos with chris trevino uh instant analysis sam Darnold highlights we'll have other player highlights and stuff too so check all that stuff out on uscfootball.com we appreciate you tuning in thanks to our sponsors lisa bed and trader joe's and we will talk to you next time